When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. Hey everybody, this is Steve, Uncle Creepy Barton, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I just heard about this movie, Tongue in Cheek, 
But there was a little movie that came out. I think it was Halloween of 2022. I could be wrong here. About some guy named Art the Clown. It was, you know, it was a little indie flick. Uh, didn't get much play. No one's ever heard of it. I don't even yeah. know why we're talking about it. Yeah, there was <laughs> so, something about, you know, $10 million plus $11 million in theaters for 800 something theaters. Uh, this Blu-ray just recently came out. I don't know. Terrifier 2. What the it's fuck? Insane. What the fuck? Uh, now, all kidding aside, now everybody knows about Terrifier and Terrifier 2 lately, especially what it's done independent-wise. And still going strong on the charts for sales for Blu-ray, Steel, Steelbook. I don't know what Steelbook is. But, you know, 4K, you name it, digitally. And the guy on the line now was a producer in the project. But he has done other things as well. Uncle Creepy himself, Steve Barton. Steve, how you doing? Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this shit is crazy. Uh, when 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 you said, what the fuck, that, that's still our whole like mindset. Like this movie, we never in a million years would have imagined it would get as big as it did or would go as far as it did. Uh, we're really lucky and we're really happy that its success happened because of the fans. And we're even happier that because of its success, if even if it, I mean, it's great that it was our movie, but if it was any little horror movie that did what terrifier 2 did we'd be just as thrilled you know i mean it's really opened the doors for a lot of people and set the tempo for a lot of horror movies like um people aren't so gun shy about using the violence anymore and uh it it, it blows our minds that uh number one our movie got released in theaters and number two that it was so well received you know every day since its release has been a complete gift and we're so grateful for that absolutely and as far as the independent scene for mm-hmm. films you know independent wise film from a film perspective obviously i think of and people will look at me roll their eyes now when you say it but nightmare on elm street 3 was the first Ta-da, and theaters, and Mounty Police, and Buffalo, and just different stories like that. Hmm. And when it started becoming mainstream. Then we fast forward to another little flick here. Where is it? And you would know this guy just as well. Ah, here we go. Adam Green in Hatchet 2. You know, was more along the style of what Terrifier and Terrifier 2 does in terms of Hatchet 2 was like Terrifier 2. Uncut, balls to the wall, here you go, and the fans supported it. But yeah, I, I was in Hatchet 2. That, um, it really makes me happy that you brought that up. I love that movie. I love that franchise. Adam's a great friend. And the reason I bring that up is and Terrifier 2 was able to take it a step further from an independent sense where, and I'm hoping to do an interview with Adam soon, had him on part of a watch along, like answer 
fan questions and stuff. But to actually sit down and have a conversation with him, because I think that's a good mind to pick. But where Terrifier 2 took that baton and did a lot better, and I'm not knocking Hatchet, where Hatchet had maybe 24 to 48 hours in theaters. You guys started off having... Let's start off with a week. We got 850 theaters, whatever it was. Response went well. Then we go to 1,000 theaters, 1,100 theaters. And the ball just kept rolling to where... Actually, actually the second week... Here's what a lot of people don't realize about the theatrical release and why it was so insane for so many reasons. Um, The first week, as you said, we had 850 theaters. And... You know, we thought we were getting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we're done, right? And that weekend, we made, uh, I think, $1.5 million, and we were over the moon, you know? It was the the most glorious thing in the world. A lot of us cried. We got emotional. I cried, you know? We never thought we'd get there. And we never knew if we were going to have a second weekend, Right. So we would never find out that we were extended until the Monday of each week, right? So when the Monday rolled around, they were like, okay, we want to put you back in theaters. But at that time, AMC hadn't signed on. And we were actually in 300 less theaters in week two. And we made more money than we did in the 850 theaters. And then at once that happened... It just kept snowballing and everybody was just, all right, we want you for week three. And we were like, holy shit, really? You know, it it was just an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And was getting to this like week one, they look at the numbers. Hey, let's bring you back. AFC comes Mm -hmm. in after week two and stuff. Then it's like, okay. And things kept progressing to where you made over $11 million before it went to Screenbox solely. And now, Mm A couple of weeks ago at this point, I think it was December 27th, the DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, all that, uh, Steelbox or whatever it's called, came out. So there's that platform and now the streaming. And like you said, you guys were shocked that things kept progressing like they did. But where is your head now as far as, wow, we've been on this amazing ride and now... Our heads are... Listen, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about doing a part three, and we have been talking about it, but here's the thing. These movies are, are never going to be mainstream, you know? Uh, you'll never see Universal release a Terrifier movie. It's just not going to happen. So in this particular weird case, just like everything else that's been so fucking weird about this ride you know the bigger budget that you know people talk about oh they're gonna get like this they're gonna get like that it's not conducive to making a terrifier movie you know it's we we there's a certain alchemy that goes with making a terrifier movie it's a very small crew we trust each other and we know what we do you know we know what each of us bring to the table i mean we got very lucky with this and and i think i i think and there's no way to say it without sounding like an asshole but i think 
all the shit we all had to go through over the last several years from the pandemic to whatever fucking other lunacy was going on. I mean, at one point in the last several years, you could have told me a fucking Tyrannosaurus was going to land on my front lawn in a UFO. And I'd be like, of course it is. Why not? Right. This is part for the course in this fucking weird time we're living. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. And uh, I, I think that collectively we were all so wounded and all so hurt and we had so much in us. And I'm not just talking about the filmmakers. I'm talking about the audiences out there because movie theaters almost went completely out of business, you know, mm -hmm. because of the, and I think that's what opened the door to them being more accepting of an unrated horror movie, uh, getting a completely unorthodox release, you know, and I, I think audiences themselves, after all the fucked up shit we had to endure, we were just ready to have a good time, you know, and Terrifier 2 was a good time for people. There's no underlying message. There's no nothing. It, 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 it's just strap in, take the ride. There you go. And I, I think audiences were just ready for that. When Hatchet 2 has come out, the climate was completely different. Yes. You know? And um, unfortunately, that was reflected in that film's theatrical run, which it should have gotten a lot bigger one, you know? And it, 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 just, it just goes to show you how completely unpredictable this business can be. You know, Hollywood, as you know, is a replication machine. They see one thing that works and they try to make 15 more of them. And what's unique about the Terrifier franchise is you, you really can't do that because I, I, I think what the studios don't understand is you can't make the next big thing going into it thinking you're going to make the next big thing. That doesn't happen. It's not up to any filmmaker or any studio to decide what the next big horror icon is going to be or what the next big franchise is going to be or anything like that. That's up solely to the audience. You know, the audience is going to make that decision if something is embraced or something is, is vilified or neglected or whatever. And that's who should be making those decisions because we as filmmakers make these movies for audiences, you know, and being that it was so widely embraced, I mean, it was it's still shocking to us. I mean, uh, there's a good part of us that every day we wake up, we think that we're going to wake up from this whole fucking thing and it would have been a dream, mm -hmm. you know, but it actually happened and it only happened because one, we made the best movie that we could given the funds that we had and two, everybody showed up and everybody supported it and we're so thankful for that. I mean, I, I cannot tell you more than anything how humbling an experience this has been to us. So where are our heads? Our heads are 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 humble, man. We're just go, oh shit. Well, we're we're fucking hot shots now. We're not, you know, we're just we know that we did something. We we were incredibly fortunate that everyone responded to it. And the only thing we can do as we did with the second one 
is try to give everyone who supported us through one and two something special. Try to give them something as special as what the audience has given us. The audience has given us careers, you know, legit careers. So we need to make sure that they're taken care of because we don't exist without you guys, you know? So whatever we do in the next entry in the Terrifier franchise, which I'm sure there will be eventually, you know? It's not I so mean, much if, but when. Yeah, it, but we don't want to... Another thing we're trying not to do is fall into that. We're making one every year because then the project suffers, you know? Yeah. You can't really be on a timeline and, and try to pump it out by an exact date. Could we make a third one for October? Of course we could. But should we? You know what I mean? And would it suffer for it? So we're very much of the mindset that when it happens, it'll happen the right way and for the right reasons. And just like the second one, we're just going to go into it and just try to make the best movie we can. It's quality over quantity. And I think of, and I like the whole series when I say this, I liked the whole Saw series. But like you mm -hmm. said, it was a matter of when something worked, oh, let's crank it out. And they tried to have one every year, every 18 months, whatever it was with that franchise. Mm -hmm. And I could see where it got a little stale from yeah. that. You know what I mean? Because, it, okay, this worked. Let's move on to the next one and so on and so forth. But they also had money when you have folks like Lionsgate and different folks able to pump in the money to be able to make that work. I'm not knocking it that, you know, something works great. And I know Damien has said he has an idea for three and maybe even split it in the two, three, and four. You're probably not going to get another two-hour, 20-minute movie. <laughs> yeah, but he, he knows, as the writer, director, and all that stuff, and even makeup effects, he knows where, you know, it's. I'm not speaking new news out. He knows where he'd like to go with it, from a story aspect, from a creative aspect. So it's, you know, so it's like you were kind of hitting at, all right, how are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? What are we looking at financing? Just all the little details that just give me more, give me more. The fans are like, they want that instantaneous feel. You know, it will happen in due time. It's just a matter of, okay, what There's, are we doing? I'm not going to lie to you. There's a temptation. There's an extreme temptation to just head right back in and, and go and do it, you know? Yeah. And we we talked about that too, but I think we just, we really, number one, Damien is an absolute genius. And I don't mm -hmm. use that term lightly. Me neither. I, I truly, and I, I've never worked with somebody who has such a clear vision of what they want to do, who, you know, and to his credit, he don't compromise his visions. He, he makes his movies, you know, and he's very detail oriented and, he he knows what he wants, you know. I don't think it's, we're ever going to see a scenario where, you know, something fucking ridiculous happens. Like, oh, it's time for Terrifier 14 in Hawaii or, you know, Terrifier 17 in space. We're just not going to do that. So I, I yeah. think 
that when Damien decides there's no more stories to tell is that's when this franchise ends because we decided that we'd rather have three, four solid, solid movies than 10 movies, three or four of which are good and the rest of them are like, meh, who cares, you know? Yeah. It's not, we, we take these movies personally, you know? Mm -hmm. As crazy as that sounds, they're very personal films. This is your baby, a sense, in a sense, whether it's from your perspective as a producer or Phil's perspective as a producer, Damien as the creator, it's his baby. Now it's David's yeah. baby as art and Sienna, mm -hmm. you know, just down the line, you know, it's everybody, they got skin in a game. Mm -hmm. So obviously you've been in the industry Besides Terrifier, obviously people go, oh, Uncle Creepy from da-da-da-da-da. You started out in an other aspect of things, and I hate when my screen does this. Ah, there we go. So you were involved, speaking of your own baby, Fred Central. Mm -hmm. yeah. So where did that idea come from and to... At least, where did it go from your initial concept when you left? When you look at that whole gap of things. It's it's interesting. Um, Dread Central was started because of a belief that I had and was shared by my original partners that independent movies should get as much spotlight as the studio films. So for me it was important that Dread Central give everyone an equal playing ground from the indie filmmakers to the studio films. Everybody got the same amount of coverage. Everybody just, you know, right down the line, it was, it was an even playing field. And that was very important to me because, you know, you never know where the next Carpenter is going to come from. You never know where the next Sam Raimi is going to come from. You know, you have to give these indie filmmakers their due and, and support their work. And uh, that was vital to me. And I think that was vital to Dread Central's success as a company. Um, truth be told, you know, Dread Central was around under my watch for 18 years. It's still going. Uh, I did it for 18 years. I didn't take a salary from Dread Central for eight of those years when it first started. Uh, in order to pay my bills, I was working retail at a GameStop, you know, and I would work all day, then come home and update the site all night and then get up early and update the site before I went to work and came back home and immediately started updating the site again. Uh, I believe that the people who were writing with me uh, they deserve the money. This was my passion project. And if you need good people to work with you, you should have writers and they should be compensated. Even though, I'll be very honest with you, there wasn't much compensation. You know, it, there was what I could afford at the time and what we could afford at the time. And as the years progressed, you know, not wood, the site got popular, became one of the most trusted sources online for horror entertainment and horror news. Um, you know, we were right up there with Bloody Disgusting for a long time. And Bloody Disgusting will always be the number one site, just if only because of their tenure, you know? 
bloody disgusting has been around a long time and to just even be mentioned in the same breath as bloody disgusting for me was just wonderful you know i i don't care about being number one i cared about delivering the good quality as best i could and um i was very happy to be number two it didn't matter to me or whatever however you want to look at it and uh you know as it happens we started doing really well and studios were advertising with us and we flourished for several years and then you know once again things change uh the bottom fell out of the dot-com market and the studios instead of advertising with sites like ours they chose instead to open up social media pages where they would pay like somebody on instagram to run their page and all of a sudden we went from making good money to making next to no money and another thing i'm very proud of with dread central is the fact that we never had a parent company it was always us you know we, we never had to answer to anybody for 18 years we were independently owned and independently operated and it came to the point because of the financial situation where we had two options we could either fold up shop or we could sell and get a parent company and continue to do what we wanted to do and at that point epic pictures group stepped in and you know they they said hey we want to be able to spin off uh dread central into a line for our dvds and our blu-rays and to me that honestly sounded like the next logical step you know so i'm like okay this sounds reasonable and then the person who i was in charge i was working with at at epic you know be very honest i didn't get along with him you know um we had two different mindsets when it came to how the company should be run and that's okay you know that's fine uh there was definitely a dissonant and it was one that was getting further and further apart each day you know uh luckily before i left you know uh i picked two movies for dread central presents and that was the keen hotter documentary to hell and back great documentary and, by the way thank you and i picked terrifier and they were completely on board with to hell and back but dude they hated terrifier this guy made my life no end of hell with oh what a bad choice you, you we picked up this movie it's not marketable it's this it's that it's the other thing and it got to the point where it was things got so contentious and so heated that uh i stood up and i said to them this movie does not perform like i think it's going to perform i will walk away you could have my part of the company and i just believed in it and i i don't know why i believed in it as much as i did but i i absolutely 110 percent believed this was the movie that i wanted to really lead dread central's foray into home video and you know begrudgingly they put it out and they did do one thing that was very good they put us on netflix which enabled a lot of people to find the movie and i will always be very grateful for them and this wasn't epic as a whole. This was, you know, there was one person in particular working there whom I just had static with. 
And he was the one, unfortunately, that I was answering to. And he made just crazy shit. But um, as it turned out, you know, once the movie was released, we um, ended up being one of their best sellers, not just under the Dread Central label, but under their total umbrella. And that was a great vindication for me. And it got to, you know, but it didn't make anything better between myself and the person whom I was having uh, an issue with. And the person I was having an issue with, you know, listen, I I do not think he's a bad person. I, I think that we just had two different visions and that's okay. But um, I realized that now that I had put out a movie or I had a hand in putting out a movie that gave people a character that um, they ended up really liking. And to me, that was the note I chose to go out of Dread Central on. So that's you when know? you say, okay, I'm going to cash in my chips here. and Yeah. And yeah. Next. You know, to me, Terrifier was very much my swan song from Dread Central. And I couldn't be prouder to have a better one song. I mean, to me, it's poetic that that's the note I went out on. And I ain't going to lie to you, man. I mean, I, I've been Uncle Creepy so long that when I didn't have Dread Central, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I, I thought it was over for me. I thought I was heading back to retail. You know, I had the, the honor and the privilege of during my career at Dread Central to be mentored by Sid Haig and George Romero, you know, who taught me a lot of stuff. And I had all this knowledge and nowhere to apply it anymore. You know, so when does, scary. when does Damien step in and say, hey, when we're looking at part two here and all that fun stuff. Was that around the same time that you were making your exit? Maybe maybe about a year later, you know? Okay. And uh, at that point, he said, hey, you know, we're we're doing part two. And I was like, dude, I have to be involved. You know, it, this movie's in my DNA you know, at this point. And it's, I, I didn't want to be involved because I thought it was going to be successful. I didn't want to be involved because I felt it's the only thing I had. I wanted to be involved because I genuinely believed in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I believed in the brand. And it's very much a big part of my life. Even at that point when two was just at the talking stages, the original Terrifier was a big part of my life and i'm very honored and privileged throughout all the shit we had to go through together with getting the first one released that they they let me come aboard and, and keep working with them on part two and i'm forever grateful for them and i always will be i i think that phil falcone who these movies do not exist without and his wife lisa you know i i think that they're smart as anyone in this world ever could be and have a knack for this business. And again, these movies do not exist without them. And I think Damien coupled with his vision and his drive and his uncompromising visionary film career that he's, he's made for himself. I, I, I think it's just, I think everything happened exactly as it should have, you know? From the bad stuff to the good stuff. Bad is bad, man. You can you have two choices when there's bad shit going on in your life. You could either roll over and, and play the woe is me role and blame everybody, or you could say, okay, 
this is bad. How do I get out of it? And how do I continue on? And that's the role I chose. Now, with that being said, and obviously it's not like part three is coming out. We're going into production next week. Mm-hmm. But with everything that's going on, and I know you've popped into a few conventions here and there, like Monster Mania recently, where a mm-hmm. bunch of gang were, Lauren and David and Damien mm-hmm. and everybody. Phil was there. I, and I saw Michael briefly. What is next for Uncle Creepy? Um, As you can imagine, everybody's been knocking on the door, you know, uh, people who wouldn't even have pissed on me if I was on fire are now like, Hey man, what are you doing? Can we do something together? Now, now that you're a friend, you know, it's like, I have a really long memory. I, yeah. I truly do. And I don't care. Money isn't important to me. Money is a tool in which to live. Mm-hmm. And I, I would rather work with the people whom I respect and whom I trust than work with anyone else in this world. And I'll make $200,000 movies to the day I die. You know, I'm cool with that. I I just want to, what's next for me is continuing to work with the people whom I love and respect. And that's the way I will always be. There is nothing anyone could do to me to lure me and go, oh, look what we'll give you. I don't care. I grew up with nothing. You know, I've learned to live with nothing. And if you look at where I am now to where I came from, you know, I consider myself successful and I don't consider and I but I don't measure success by what's in my bank account. I measure success by if I did everything I could for the right reasons that day and I could put my head on the pillow and know that I did everything I could for myself and the people I care about. To me, that's success. And if you think it's any other thing, God bless you, man. You know, I just want to be able to do what I do and live how I live and enjoy working with the people whom I enjoy working with, the people who respect me and the people whom I respect. Well, you know, and I almost forgot to ask you this, but I heard through the grapevine, there's a little thing called the Art the Clown Society on Facebook and stuff. Love them. Yeah, that that little group of 18,000 plus sick fighters. <laughs> and I don't know. But in some of the posts there, they were talking, they've been talking about, you know, merchandising and things like that for art and terrifier mm-hmm. and such. And it seemed like you were given the baton of doing official merchandise and such. Right. So I'm curious to know when we let, and you said you came from nothing and all that. So it's kind of ironic. So we take this, we have a legitimate franchise, let's say now between mm. the shorts and the first two films, sure. what goes into from your perspective on making official licensed merchandise so everybody gets a piece of the pie who was involved in creating, whether it's producers, Damien, whatever. It, it's 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 really weird. Um, again, this is all new ground for all of us. You know, we never saw any of this coming. And sometimes it's taking longer to get our ducks in a row than we'd like. But again, we were just 
unprepared. You know, we never knew this was going to blow up into a giant thing. So in terms of merchandising, we've been very careful to really only work with um, quality products like, you know, Trick or Treat Studios or Terror Threads, Clay Guy. We, we love what they do. We're working with Chris Sembro at uh, Scarepros, who's been great. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a slow process because we're still finding our footing. And it's one that we've realized we have to keep revamping every day, you know, because we're so grateful that people like what we've created enough to make their own custom stuff. You know, we're so grateful and we're not greedy. You know what I mean? There's no greed no, no. involved. It, it's just that, you know, we're the little guy, man. We really are. We're still very much the little guy. We made a couple of movies that have, we've been fortunate enough to do well. I mean, and you know, there are people out there who are making stuff that they're making on mass, you know, they're mass producing it and they're selling it for quite a bit of money. And that's not right. You know, yeah. I mean, they're making it. That's cool. But so it's a really fine line to walk between how do we not come off as greedy and how do we, I mean, because we love that they do this, you know what I mean? Yeah. But sometimes we'll, we'll be always reach out to them and say, Hey, this is really cool. Why don't we license it and get it done the right way? You know? And that's what we really look for. We look for quality products that uh, we think fans will like, and we try to take that route. And again, we're, you know, for us, it's not like we don't know what we're doing but it's like almost feeling your way around a dim room. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. well, I'm going to bump into this and I'm going to bump into that. Where the fuck is the light switch? Right. Yeah. And that's like that in any endeavor. And again, it, it blew up faster than any of us could have imagined. So when it comes to merchandising, you know, we, we have a few licensees or licensors out there right now that are doing the right. And you know, let me just state, if somebody's, handcrafting stuff that you know they can't mass produce you know we're not going to be like hey stop doing that we're just going to be like that's really cool um but if someone's really mass producing a lot of things and they're making a ton of money like you you gotta say hey man can we do this together yeah you know we don't mind you making this but what can we do maybe we can elevate it you know and it's been some people have been receptive and some people not so receptive. So I mean, every it's a learning experience, just like everything else. So yeah. every you try your best and you try to learn. Exactly. And it's I'm not knocking the little guy and all that, you know, like you said, the handcrafted stuff, any of that. But the mass production side of things, it's like you want to protect what's yours. You know, that's what's fair. We don't want people to get like subpar shit with our name on it. Even the Art the Clown Appreciation Society now has bootleggers making their shirts. And that's crazy to me. You know, yeah. know what I mean? Just off a of Facebook group, you know, it's like. It's so absurd, dude. I have seen over the last four months Art the Clown everything, you know. And again, it, it's a really, it's a really fun. And we respect and we love 
all of the fans and we love that they care enough to make their own thing. But at, at the same time, we also have to be very careful with what gets out there because again, we don't want the terrifier name to be associated with subpar crap, you know, yeah. that, that obviously made only to make a quick buck. They don't care what type of material they're using for the shirts and they don't care what their printing process is. It's it just, you know, it, it, it's like, it's hard to explain. And it, again, it's a it's a learning experience, and a, we're doing our very best to expedite everything we can as quickly as we can. But it, again, dude, it it there's a lot out there, so we're constantly having to weed through it. Exactly. And I mentioned the convention circuit. Are you going to be at Atlanta for a days of the Not day coming up? Atlanta. I'm not going to be at, at Atlanta. I, I wish I was, but I have a little bit of a conflict with that date. And uh, a good conflict, not a bad conflict. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I'm going to try to get to every show I could. I can. Uh, I, I love getting out there and I love hanging with the fans. And we all do. I mean, we're very, anyone who's ever seen any of us at a show, we try to take our time yeah. and, and be as, as, wonderful to the fans as we would want we, we try to treat people like we want to be treated you know what i mean and we're very common courtesy yeah this is you know this might be this person's and that's one of the things george taught me and i i talked to damian and david i mean this could be like the only chance this particular person has to meet you make it as good of an experience as possible for them you know, let them go away with a smile because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Well, speaking of that, with between Dread Central and now the success of Terrifier 2 and such, obviously, you mentioned Adam Green's become a buddy, you knew George Romero, and you come across these different characters along the way. And I say characters in a good way, but who would you say is the most interesting person you've met with your experience well, kind of on the inside with horror? Um, that's a really good question. I would say, honestly, I love Adam. I, I, I think Adam is as talented as talent could possibly be. Um, his ideas and his focus and his humor they're top notch, man. I, I love everything about what he does. I love all of his movies from Hatchet to Frozen to Spiral. There's so many movies he's made that have been great. And um, I, I love his, I love Joe Lynch. I, I think he's an incredible filmmaker. I, I think he does some really interesting stuff every time he's given the chance to helm something, you know, from Wrong Turn 2 to so many other movies he's made that have just been so much fun. And um. I, I love Mike Mendez's movies. I think he has an energy to his movies. I, I love Marcel Walls. I, I, I'm very fond of the movies he makes. I, I love Jed Shepard. I think he's an incredible writer. He was behind Host and uh, the recently released Dashcam. Um, Dave Parker, who doesn't get anywhere near the amount of play that he should. He's such a good filmmaker. Uh, he's made the hills run red. He's he's done so many good projects, and I I'm crazy in love with his film style and what he brings to the table. 
And I'm, I'm really hoping and I'm praying that with the success of Terrifier, that the studios these filmmakers are working with or even the filmmakers themselves, they just, they realize that it can happen. You know, you can, it's rare, unfortunately, but it can happen that you can be a part of the film world without being a part of the studio system, you know? And we, you know, a lot of people, my favorite quote from Damien in all of this, he, you know, someone asked Damien, how did you get away with this from the MPAA? And uh, the answer was, we didn't show it to him. <laughs> Sounds like that an Adam Green move. <laughs> but yeah. We, we just didn't show it to him. And they never, get, when that's when Terrifier 2 first got released in theaters, man, it was the Wild West because it didn't even have an unrated rating. It had nothing, you know? I mean, for the first couple of weeks, a 13-year-old could have bought a ticket to Terrifier 2 and seen it, and the movie theater couldn't stop him, you know? Because there was no guidelines involved. There was no parameters. Um, the parameters were put into place where they started treating it like an R-rated movie or an unrated movie, and thank God for that, because, you know, we just want people to go in and have a good time. We certainly don't want to scar anyone for life. Um, but... I, <laughs> I'm really hoping that this film's success and the, the unconventional way that this movie got released and found its audience is the same unconventional way that Adam will be able to take advantage of, uh, that Joe Lynch will take advantage of, that all of them will take advantage of it. And I, I pray because there are so many talented filmmakers out there like the ones I just mentioned who don't get the chance that we had. And we had this chance through pure happenstance and fan love. And I, I'm hoping that can continue on and, and build bigger careers for all of them, for everybody, not just ourselves. And I'll end it with this way, because we've been dancing around it, but I don't think either one of us, one of us officially said it. And the difference between Hatchet 2 and, well, you kind of hinted at it, and Terrifier 2, as far as theatrical success, had to do with the PC culture that we've been dealing with for the past, say, five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to see the success of Terrifier 2 even in the environment of a PC culture because of we heard the stories and it was truly authentic of people getting sick with some of the kills and all the different press and pub the movie got why in theaters. Mm -hmm. But I think of the old George Carlin line and that being, and I'm not quoting word for word here. But if there's something you don't like, whether it be on television, a movie, music, whatever the case is, they got, especially now with all these different things, they got these little remotes and channel changers and whatever form you're watching stuff on. You don't like something, click, you change the channel, you, you move on. Mm -hmm. 100%. I'm, I'm not saying 
you know, everybody's standards are different. I might not like something you like, or you might not like something I like. But guess what? I'm not going to judge you for that. You don't like something? Click. You change the channel. You turn the knob on your radio. Instead of bitching and moaning. It's so simple. And you know what? I mean, because of the nature of Terrifier 2, you know, we made that movie specifically for the fan base, for the people who liked the original Terrifier. We we wanted to give them more of what they loved about that first movie. And I think we succeeded in doing that. And when we do the third one, it's that same formula. We're going to give you more of what you liked and and try to keep it fresh. And one of the things we're very proud of with Terrifier 2 is the movie has scope. You know, you could see it's going in some insane directions, you know, with uh, the way it ended and how, you know, just there's there's an evolution between the original Terrifier and Terrifier 2. And I think the evolution of the second one is what made the movie so feel so fresh. And we're going to try to just keep evolving it and keeping it fresh while delivering what we know people are expecting from it. And things keep popping in my head here. And you might know a little more than the average bear per se, but mm. hey, boo boo. No, uh, but I like the theory that you read in like the Art the Clown Society and such, saying that art might be Sienna and whatnot's father. Jonathan, sorry, I couldn't, I was having a brain fart there. I like that theory that he is related somehow, whether it was their father or whatever the case is. Do you see the movie going that direction? Or were you already smartened up to where the story would go? Well, I, I don't want you to. I know where the story's going. Um, well, you know what's really cool for us? The cool one of the coolest things about this whole thing is reading the fan theories. You know, they that's what really excites us that people have been dissecting this movie in so many different exciting ways that they've taken ownership of these characters or they feel like this character is that and this character is obviously that. And that's exciting to us. And I will tell you, some people are dead on and some people are way fucking off, but I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, Cause I will, I'll put it this way. Cause the video won't be seen because only the audio goes out. But mm-hmm. when I was saying the one particular theory there, that has probably gained the most one of the ones that gained the most traction. The look on Steve's face. I, I you know, I don't want to say no more because keep in mind I'm also a good poker player though. Yeah. That like I said, I don't want to I don't want to dive deeper than you know, because I enjoy the uh I, I I think that people like the direction we're gonna take it in. And we're never there there are certain things you can count on. One is Art the Clown is never gonna fucking talk. He's never gonna make a fucking sound. Okay. And Not even two, a horn. <laughs> just the horn. If I, that the horn's my favorite part. Um I, I I think we're gonna 
we're going to tell people every move every movie is going to be like an onion and we're going to peel back another couple of layers and we'll we'll tell you more but i don't think we're ever going to tell everyone everything you know mm-hmm. um once you become too familiar with a character they're just not intriguing anymore you know they they lose that air of mystery about them and art I mean, in this one, we definitely found out he's a demon of sorts, you know, and I, I think that's fucking cool. So, you know, we, there is definitely more to the story in it. At the end of the day, it's only really Damien, despite that whatever he's told me or Phil or Believies or anybody, it's only really him that knows exactly what Endgame is, you know, and all we can do as a unit and a family because we are very close to each other is do our part to support his vision, you know, and, and make sure that we do it the right way. And all this really cool shit that's happened over the last few months, it's only given us more passion to continue on the route that we're on, you know, um, Again, it, it's we're very humble people, and we realize exactly how fortunate we are. And this next movie, like I said, as with Terrifier Two, is just going to be made for the fan base. We're not gonna we're not gonna mainstream it or or, or dumb it down or or not be as fucking bloody and violent as humanly possible that'll never happen this movie's made its bones on the on the fact that it's graphically violent and uh damien's a sick fuck dude he has all sorts of ideas so we'll see man we'll see yeah as i said about the group about eighteen thousand plus sick fucks he's the head sick fuck of this whole bunch he is the ringleader of the fucking maniacs this is what happens when you maybe hollywood that's why they're afraid or because you know this is what happens when you let the lunatics run the asylum, and I guess that's why who was it WMA just signed them to a deal or whatever the hell it was. Let's bring the lunatic in. <laughs> like I said, Hollywood's a replication machine. But the good thing about Damien is he he won't let that go to his head, and he's certainly not the kind of director that's going to put out fluff or or something he doesn't feel like what he should be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, listen, we took fucking Top Gun Maverick out of the top 10. You know, who fucking can who's better than us, you know? <laughs> so we did what we had to do and we, our little movie performed and we're proud of it. And we're forever thankful to everybody that bought a ticket and everybody that subscribed to Screenbox and everybody who's bought a Blu-ray or a DVD or whatever. It's um it's it it hasn't stopped being a gift to us and we have a lot more gifts to give you guys back and yes if you open up the box from amazon when you get the dvd and blu-ray it's not a beating heart like sienna saw but (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm just glad the rest of the world now has the fucking clown cafe song in their head because we've been living with that shit for months okay (laughs) It's still in our heads. It still doesn't go anywhere. Oh, shit. On that note, Uncle Creepy Steve Barton, thank you, sir, for the time. 
Thank you, good brother. Appreciate it. And it's full of special deals Nothing here is good for you So grab yourself a tray Cause food's a little funny At the Clown Cafe Drop on by The Clown Cafe Drop on by The Clown Cafe Gobble up your order Quick before it runs away Cause food's a little funny At the Clown Cafe why not visit after school and have yourselves a bite? An appetizing appetizer, certain to delight. We haven't done it right unless it makes your teeth decay. Cause food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. Drop on by the Clown Cafe. Drop on by the Clown Cafe. The grub is downright gruesome, but your appetite's obey. Cause food's a little funny, food's a little funny, food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, boils and ghouls. David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown himself, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Choo-choo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. 